Imagine a world in which post-traumatic stress no longer robs from millions who suffer. You don't want to get help because you're embarrassed. That stigma of you can't talk to people it is so true. The experts, they forgot to tell me I can heal. I don't want to live this trauma again. Right. And he goes, yeah. you don't have to. I said, yeah. what? I just remember being able to stand by the water and look up at the sky and hear the noises. And I didn't think they were gunshots. I was like, those are Disney fireworks. I don't even know what to imagine for myself now, my future, because I have one. This is Life After PTSD. Welcome back to part two of Dr. Frank Ockberg. We hope you enjoyed part one. And without further ado, there is part two, and hopefully there'll be lots more from Dr. Frank Ockberg in the future. Let's say, Carrie, you're doing it for me. You're counting out loud to 100, and I'm remembering this event. Um, it could be, it could be, it could be the tragedy of my life when our, our nine-month-old son was killed in a household accident, strangled when the crib uh, came down and he was trapped between a dresser and a crib. And I'm sorry, I, don't, I didn't really mean to cause anyone else uh, the distress of visualizing my tragedy, which I, was so much more for my wife who was there. I was, I was a surgical resident at that moment and told scrub out of surgery. There's been a I can't remember tragedy. something. Yeah, I, I thought my whole family had been killed. Uh, I thought they were out driving. And because it was only one out of three, actually I experienced a certain relief. Um, but I'm not back there now as I'm talking about this. I, I did not get classic uh, PTSI. Um, but I think most others would have. It's not saying anything good about me. It's just saying that uh, I was defended. Um, at, at any rate, if you were counting out loud to 100, I would take that memory and relive it and get into the most intense part while you're counting 40, in the 50s and the 60s. And, and you would have told me to do this. When, when, you're, when you're counting up in the 90s, I should be back here. I should make sure that um, I'm out of that memory. And that instruction has worked uh, for me every time. They didn't get locked into their memory. Most of the time, uh, the person succeeds in going into their trauma memory and then coming out of it. Now, as soon as they're out of it, um, you, Carrie, would then give me a chance to catch my breath, and then you would say to me, okay, what did you remember, Frank? What did you remember? And I'd tell you. And you would have your big yellow pad, and I'd watch you writing it down as I'm telling you what I just remembered. You're writing it down. Um, you don't say anything, you just write. And, and after you're fin finished writing, you then say, okay, I'm, I'm going to read this back to you. And you do. As you read it back, 
you might say something like, oh, and that's where I saw a little tear on your face, or that's where I saw you breathing hard. So, so what you're doing is you're giving me my own trauma story back in your words, which are my words. And, and what I'm doing, I think, is I am relocating a trauma pattern that's been in, in my brain and I'm creating an a tolerable autobiographical memory of what has been a trauma memory. I used to think I'd have to do it five or six times. Later on, it turned out that as I did it, once was often enough. And I didn't have to do it for every trauma that, since I'm a doctor, I'll call them a patient. You, you, you might call me a client, or you might call another firefighter a peer um, or a friend. Uh, that can be enough. That's the counting method. And if you're going to do it, I found do it. In, in the middle of the time that you're spending with this person so that they have a little time to gear up for it and they have a little time to um, get, get past it and they're still with you. Uh, we're we're going to find people doing this under many different circumstances. Uh, I think those of us who are professional and are also teachers, we do want to be sure that whoever we teach takes it seriously, that we do things in a standardized way, that we have a chance to do outcome research. And we're not saying, oh, all we're doing is teaching people how to help themselves and you can have an app and it'll do it all. We're not saying that. And you're, you guys are both nodding. So I, I think among us, um, you're the next generation, and, and you're the ones who I really admire. You're going to take this into counseling and peer work, and you're going to give people a chance to have a powerful healing tool without needing to qualify for third-party pay and go through all the hoops that the system now has. We just want to make sure that we don't unleash something that ends up being done in a uh, careless way. And you guys are smiling now, so that's, yeah. uh, that's on us too. We, we yeah. really want to be careful. Gatekeepers. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, there, there's, and I, and I think that's really what you're getting at. I think there is a narrow range where peers and lay people, if you will, maybe whether it be clergy or whatever you want to call them, um, that can do this in certain circumstances, knowing also that there still may be a need for higher level of care, whether that's sure. a psychiatrist, a psychologist, sure. a, whatever you want to call that higher level of care. Um, and I think that's important. I would ask one question about the counting method and, and maybe your, your opinion. Like, is there a time frame for this? Like, can it happen immediately after the trauma? Is there... Is there some ideal 
point post-trauma that this would be most effective? I don't know. Maybe not. It's a great, it's a great question. It's a question that's being asked. It's being answered by different people. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, Dave Johnson and Hadar Lubin, who I defer to, they now mm -hmm. are the scientists and the trainers of this method, mm -hmm. and they've trained others. Um, they're feeling that you can get into it fairly early, yeah. that, that often people take too long to work on this element of trauma. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's, that's their conviction based on their use in their hands. Yeah. And, and the way this ends up working scientifically is we have studies done. Yeah. The problem with a lot of these studies, many of them have more to do with the practitioner than with the method. So uh, when we do evidence-based studies mm -hmm. of psychological treatments and social treatments, evidence-based, we're, we're looking at the formula that's used in those who are trained. It's like we're looking at the carpentry. We're not looking at the carpenter. And yes. there certainly are very skilled craftspeople who practice these crafts. Yeah. And there's difference. And, and there are some who have more than one tool. And they'll apply one and not another. But that throws the study off, right? You need a, a consistent um, we, we, we do. reproducible yeah. method. Yeah. And, 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 and we do have yeah. to have methods and methodologies that pass a scientific test. Yep. But we're human, right? And so that attunement and connection with another person, which we're all feeling right yes. now, right? Yes. You have to have some of that with the person that sits in front of you. You have to at least believe, like, I can see a client and I can jump right in to a protocol that is for them. I mean, that's going to help them. If, if someone else has referred them to me and that person trusts them and they trust each other, they can come in and we have this kind of um, synchrosin, syn Synchronicity. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> because of a referral, right? So then I don't necessarily, you know, they know that I'm there for them and I want the best. And so then I can jump in and I don't have to do maybe as much connecting and attunement. But normally we have to feel a connection with the person that sits across from us to trust that what they're doing for us is going to help. Do you think, I mean, where, I, I, where do you think I, that's well, I think I think you're right, but I don't know that that applies in every situation. That's awesome. I'm, that's I'm, so I'm, awesome. I'm thinking if I, uh, if you save my life as an EMT, I don't need to know who you are. Absolutely. Nope. Most people uh, don't know. I'm, I'm, gl I'm glad when you're trained and you do the right thing. Yeah. Um, that's, okay, so that's it, wonderful. That, that's that, what I want to that, hear. That, that's, that's one model. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm reminded of a situation I'm involved in right now. Um, I'm help. I'm I'm helping a lawyer. I'm not I'm not doing this as an expert witness this time. But I, I sometimes do it as an expert witness. His client in a lawsuit was in a piece of faulty equipment that burned up, and he was burned, um, and he was traumatized. And the lawsuit is is against the equipment manufacturer. It it, it ends up being against the insurance company. Um, this um, plaintiff, I'm quite sure, has post-traumatic stress injury. I've talked to him once. 
And he didn't really want treatment from the first person he was sent to. Uh, but after he talked with me, he trusted me enough so that he would accept treatment. And I, I had a conversation with the lawyer, and we put our heads together, and we were thinking, should he go to the nearest expert in this farm community, which was a drive, or should he see the woman who we saw once but he wasn't ready for? And it, he's going to see the woman he saw once and he wasn't ready for and give it a shot. Well, so that I was kind of the enabler because in my conversation, he trusted me. But, but he also was sent to see somebody when he wasn't ready for that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't in his culture to do that. He was, he was doing work on a farm. Well, culture, when you think, and I, and I definitely want to get to the next yeah. thing, the color wheel for sure. Yeah. But I just wanted to, my brain went to the thought of culture. Maybe it's not so much attunement and connection with that client, but maybe it's our culture and our society hasn't really accepted as well as they needed to the field of psychology and counseling and even psychiatry, right? Like, and part of that is on us as clinicians who have not always done evidence-based things and haven't, or at least data-driven. You know, even if you're using something that isn't evidence-based yet, gather the data and make sure it's actually working and, and meeting the goals it needs to meet. So because of that, I think sometimes we have a bad rap, if you will, like of, you know, just being like, oh, let me come lay on your couch and talk to you and just be your friend. You know, oh, if, if I have enough good friends, I don't need a therapist, which I don't think is true. Um, I think sometimes a therapist does absolutely perform that service of, uh, I call it a dead-end friend. Like, nothing is going to go past here, and you don't have to hear my stuff, right? Like, I'm going to be there for you. But just the culture, um, and, and there's so many cultures within at least, well, the world, but also just the United States, and some of them just they don't have anything to do with psychology. And, and I think, and when we were kind of talking about when I brought up the question, we're talking about this and, and, you know, originally there was a, a period, uh, it was when I was in grad school and I was starting into helping peer support and stuff like that. And the question was brought up, like what happens if like our, we have something here at home and, you know, our resources are taxed and we have to, like, do we ask another agency or someone else to come in and help? And my original thought was, no way. Like, they're not going to want to talk to strangers, right? And ultimately, strangers came because a pulse happened. And um, strangers came, not strangers, they're fr great friends now. I still keep in touch with all of them. Um, but it, it worked to an extent. And then I was sent to Las Vegas after the shooting and I remember being on the plane with uh, Pat who mm -hmm. uh, we know and um, my friend Pat I work with him and uh, we had this whole conversation you know it's a long flight to to Nevada from Florida and we, like we spent most of the time talking like I think this might be a waste of time like we're gonna show up and nobody's gonna want to talk to us like and um, and so that happened I spent a week there and it could like everything I thought was wrong <laughs> You know, it turned out that 
and I think it goes back to a culture thing, tying back into culture. Like we have the same culture. We're all first responders and that bridges that gap, whether we're strangers or not to, I mean, I had people running out and stopping me in the parking lot to talk more. And, and some of it was related to what, what we were there for originally. Some of it was totally unrelated and they just needed resources. And, um, so I think that's where, um, what you're talking about in kind of the culture of the clinical side of things and lay and peer based stuff or clergy based stuff can maybe bridge some of that gap and having tools that they can use and yet still the knowledge to know, okay, you know what, you still need to go see someone after this, but it's going to get you through tonight, right? Or maybe even longer than tonight, but still not a bad idea to follow up. Well, again, we're, if we're compatible and we're not busy uh, criticizing someone else who comes in from a different walk of life, we're, we're figuring out how we can cooperate, do what needs to be done. Yeah. It, when you went to Las Vegas, was it after the MGM Grand shooting? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I, uh, I, I helped bring a team out there mm -hmm. a, a little bit later, and we walked through it all, and it included... Very glad it included Julie Pearson, the, the mm -hmm. former director of the Secret Service. Yeah. But it also included uh, a group from John Jay School of Criminal Justice. And we, we did what we call critical incident analysis, mm -hmm. looking at it from a lot of different points of view, not to find fault as, as much as uh, to examine it and then to understand how this highly critical incident could bring us together or could drive us apart. Mm -hmm. What does it do for the trust that we need in a democracy? That's the ultimate part of our equation when we go out there to, yeah. to do yeah. that, ki that kind of a... And I find that fascinating too. We could, that's probably a whole other podcast that we could talk yeah. about that stuff. Yeah. But, but we want to get to the color wheel. Yes, and we're we do. Kind of... All right, let's go there. So yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's go get to the color, to the color wheel. wheel mm -hmm. and so... So as we've talked about before, and maybe a little bit on one of your podcasts, maybe not, um, but it's on the web now <laughs> uh, under Ockberg's Color Wheel. Uh, I played hooky from a, uh, a psychiatric symposium way back in the past with a friend of mine who I had gone to uh, medical school with Dick Arbogast and uh, he became a psychiatrist I did too and we and we realized that our field classifies all of these negative emotions uh, like anxiety and depression and um, we don't have a diagnosis for shame and guilt but but we're so aware of those negative features that that we run into. What are the positive states? And we, we started just putting out names of, of emotions, uh, joy and love and glee and uh, bliss. And, and, and we were writing them down, cutting them out, putting them on a table, sorting them out. And, and to us, they fell into five or six categories. And, and we thought we could use color coding for those categories. So picture, if you will, a pizza pie or a, or 
um, clock face divided into six different segments. And we'll hold it up, so up at the top around 12 o'clock, if it's the clock is yellow, the color yellow. Let yellow stand for those joyful, energetic human emotions. And you guys go there now with me. and We're jumping for joy. Right now I don't feel like jumping, so I'm watching my granddaughter jump for joy. And the wind is in her hair. Uh, someone else is, uh, oh, they're, they're riding a, uh, a bicycle as fast as they can, and the wind is in their hair. Uh, or they're on a mountaintop. Anyway, it's... It's exhilaration and, and it's ex being exuberant. Um, it could be just a little bit, just a trace of high energy high. That's yellow. And if you think about when you last had it, even a little bit of it, that's, that's practicing recovering a bit of that feeling. If you can remember when you felt as much as you ever felt in your life, and if you're capable of imagining it so that you pump your emotion up there. I don't know if you guys are doing it, but I, I'm, seeing, <laughs> I'm seeing good expression. Uh, Definitely I am. That's yellow. Okay, let, let's go to blue. And, and on a clock face, blue would be around 8 o'clock. That's, that's where that slice is. Blue is for feeling so calm, so calm that you're relaxed. See if you can get there. When I do it, my, my, my abdomen expands a little bit. My breathing is a little slower. Um, if, I, if I try to go to really deep blue, then uh, it's a feeling of bliss. And, and, and some of my trauma friends and patients can't go there. They, they can't get to a decent amount of the feeling of just pure bliss. Um, that's blue. Red is more complicated and in an interesting way because red, the red that's closer to orange and yellow is hot. And that would stand for a more romantic uh, red. It could have sex in it. it, it it's, uh, it's not the same as the love that we give and get mother to child. We're finding that a lot of veterans who have gone through, through hell can feel more love to and from their dog. And so there's a whole program of therapy dogs and service dogs uh, that works for other reasons. I think there's too much of a sense of obligation to a human giver and getter of love. And if you can't fulfill what you think is required of you, it gets in the way. Any, at, any, at any rate, red is for the positive feeling of love to another individual, could be uh, a, 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 a beloved animal. It's not meant to be just general love. That's, that's a different color. Uh, that's red. Let's go across to green, which is maybe closer to 10 o'clock on a pie chart. Green is for loving yourself 
but but uh, feeling a real sense of pride, a good kind of pride, at an older age, and I, I think it's better if you get there. It's not so much that you've achieved or you've won. It's that you've had the opportunity to help another person, and you feel fortunate to have done something that mattered. But it's, it's not quite the same as love, the giving and getting of love. It's, uh, it's a sense of honoring yourself and caring in a good way about who you are and what you've done. Um, that's green. Uh, many people who are suffering are low in green, even though they shouldn't be. They, they, they just don't have the sensation of, of that, let's call it that color. So that leaves orange and purple. And we decided orange is uh, uh, sensation, just pure sensations of it smells good, it feels good, it tastes good, uh, olfactory, gustatory. And you can elicit sensations. You can, you can smell the roses. You, you, can, you can have a vial of something that smells good. Um, that's, that's orange. And then the wonderful one, I think it's the best of them all, is purple. And purple, when you're religious, is not the knowledge, it's the feeling that God loves you. Uh, I, I'm not raised that way, but I can have a feeling of awe. I'm in the presence of natural splendor. Or we're, you know, we're right out here on the shore of the Florida Bay. Uh, I've got a friend, Luke. You've got a, you've got a Luke in your life. My friend Luke calls this paradise and celebrates it. And uh, he's kind of biblical and Christian, Catholic, and I'm from a different pedigree. And he keeps, he keeps seeing me as turning part Jesuit. And I, I'll, I'll accept that if, if I can. If I can be that way in his eyes, good, good. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be an abandonment of my uh, area of family identity. Um, anyway, think of, think of purple, and realistically, when, when the light filters through the windows of a cathedral and comes down, it does have a purple cast. And I do think that purple becomes a color that can symbolize uh, spiritual warmth and, and its ultimate uh, epiphany, uh, its awe. And we were talking about this before. I have seen a primate under a waterfall raising his or her arms. To my emotional language, that was a non-human mammal uh, having a sensation that uh, could be could be possible. Could be possible that uh, 
an animal experience, non-human, can be so much in tune with an element of the natural environment that it, at some level, celebrates. So, so it's very clear that we humans really want to find a way to raise our, our color purple. <laughs> Uh, and we're, that's another thing that we're capable of experiencing together. Okay, so the color wheel is meant for an individual to use, not necessarily to raise every single color, but at a time of suffering, or maybe at a time when you fall, you really want to fall asleep and have a good night's sleep, and maybe even good dreams. You can practice what works for you to raise some of that positive emotion. Uh, and you're not doing it by taking a pill. Um, you may be doing it by touching something or smelling something. You may be doing it by being sure that you're not doing something that gets in the way of it. You, you use the color wheel as you individually can use it to elevate one of those emotions and then see if you can spread it around and get, get those others up. Now, I know that this correlates with neuro-linguistic programming. I didn't think of it until I talked to... Um, I'll I think take credit. I, I think I talked I'm to... I'm feeling Jim. a little green right now. Good. Talk <laughs> feeling to, purple, too. No, but but I, I did talk to Dan Jarvis, and I talked to yes. Janelle Royster. Yes. I, I, I got a little worried because neuro-linguistic programming, if you look at it on a Google search, it has a bad reputation. It shouldn't, because some of it, I, I, I guess, has been trivialized and it hasn't been measured appropriately. But some of it, the part that we're talking about now, where you learn how to use the right concepts and words to program your brain function, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So now we're, on the, now we're on the same wavelength together. Yes, thank you for learning about the color wheel. Um, it's on the Gift From Within website in several different ways. It's also uh, in, a, in a training video that Victor Yalom made with me and, and with uh, Terry, a Vietnam veteran, and his wife. Uh, unfortunately, Terry's passed on, but... He explains how he uses the color wheel, and he's really needed it, and it's helped him. It's so beautiful. I, I sat here, yeah. and I could think, so I can, I feel really connected in any way here today, mm -hmm. and um, and so I was sitting there going through, in fact, my cheeks are hurting a little bit because I was smiling so big uh -huh. <laughs> as I was feeling all the things. If you had looked at me a minute ago, I'm pretty sure I was blushing at one point, <laughs> thinking of some things. But even, even the purple, right? Like I can feel sitting in this moment and being, um, you know, in, in the, a beautiful place. Yes, like, a beautiful place and feel blessed by God to or whatever you believe in, but I would feel blessed by God to even be in this place in time in this moment, like for such a time as this, right? You yes. know, yes. because I do think we're in a time where um, we can go back and there's so many people like you, especially like, I just feel so honored 
so, so I felt a little green too, because I was like, wow, I'm here with this intelligent person, doctor, who is explaining so precisely and easily and effortlessly under, to be able for us to understand what you're talking about and how simply I feel like we can apply this, yet it's so complex as well, right? Our brains are so complex, but it's so simple to apply. And I just sat here and so I'm feeling really good. I could just go, <laughs> not sure what I want to go do yeah. right now. But yeah, we how about, about it, you? We, yeah. we talked about it the other day after we spoke on the phone and I was like, yeah, he was like going through it. And I was like sitting in a chair. I was like, I was, every color he went to, I started feeling that way like you as did. he was explaining yes. yeah it was amazing i'm well, like well, well i've been doing all the talking why don't you guys talk a little bit about the colors and your own personal uh, experiences that you dredged up are you willing to do that now well, i mean for me you know yellow you said yellow yeah. and i have a lot of experience with just feeling just I mean, happy or what's the word? What's the word you use initially for yellow? Like joy? Well, or it, it, can, like, it could be exuberant. Right. Exuberant. Uh, they're also, I, I think, when we're laughing out loud, when we <laughs> look at you, look at you, you are you are laughing. I, well, I think of. Well, I even think of. I mean, even the other night when families were playing a game, and I was oh, got God. so tickled. But I also think of one thing I remind my husband of quite often is um, we had a moment one day, or he did, I wasn't there, but I can experience it through him, where our daughter, who's now 16, and isn't always, doesn't always feel this way, but she was nine or 10, and she had gone surfing, and honestly, we had missed part of the day of her surfing. My parents had been there, and, and she was having fun, but my husband got there at the very end of you know the last 15 minutes and was able to watch and experience that with her, and she came running up, arms out you know you can all experience a child doing that right uh, running out arms out wraps her arms around my husband and says this is the best day ever daddy and you know he i know can experience i i can experience and i wasn't even there yeah. but he in any moment if he's having a bad day i can say hey but you know what it's like to okay. have the best day oh, ever. okay let, let, let me build on that so it's mutual joy, but it also is love, and it's parent-child love. So it's I would put that right in the heart of red. Red, yeah. Um, there's, red. No, there's nothing about it that is sexual. No. Um, but it also isn't quite the deeper red. But if we reflect on it, it might be. So at this, and then also, can't you also have pride in yourself? And feel, oh my, this is my child. This is, I created, I co-created this. In spite of myself, <laughs> right? So, so at once, it's, it's yellow, it's red, it's green. You're starting to light up. And if you do share a, um, a spiritual identity, um, it's purple, and it's blue because it can sense, I will tell you, my husband will get this big smile on his face and, and then, then just kind of relax, relax. Yeah. which, you know, a few minutes ago when you were talking about green and my thought was, you know, I, I quote unquote pride myself on not taking advantage of people or not uh, just being, doing the right thing. Good. I want to do the right thing for people. And so I try not to be like 
green and like, oh, I'm so proud of myself. And I'm, yeah. But I thought, I'm excited that we're here, that we made the phone call and I feel blessed. And I did, I kind of sat, I felt myself sit up taller in my chair and I almost couldn't even help it. And I was like, oh, I feel, I feel kind of um, narcissistic a little bit sitting up taller in my chair as I'm listening to him talk about feeling some pride. But I'm like, no, it's okay. You know, Jeff made the first call. I may have made the second or the third or whatever, but we're here. And I do feel proud of this. I do feel proud that we can go back and talk to people who have been there before us and have done some amazing things. And I feel like I'm in the presence of a hero. And so I did, I sat up straight and it was the only time I actually leaned back and kind of sat back in my chair and I was like, ah, and then had that sense of calm. I, I, I now have a little trouble with being overly called a hero. I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not by nature all that modest, but I, I, I'd rather, I guess I'd rather that instead of you feeling that I'm some kind of hero, um, just take it down into the next generation. You just do what you're doing. That's do, what that's what we want to do. Yeah, that's the what plan. we're doing. Yeah. Hey, come on, Ed. <laughs> pe- pe- people can't see you. Yeah. You you are a physical <laughs> specimen, oh. and you got a mustache. Thank and, you, thank and, you. And you're smiling. Oh, oh boy, you're making me blush. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now you're the hero. <laughs> Good. I transferred it in that direction. Um, you know, I, I think out of the color wheel for me, probably just, I don't know if it's genetics or personality or whatever, like yellow is probably the one I struggle with the most because I, I maintain like a mm. kind of a even keel most of the time as people in my life would probably uh, uh, admit to as well. Um, so not that I don't have energy. I just don't, I don't know that I always. Um, can, can I stop you for a second? Sure. Don't lose the thought. That is very interesting. I have not heard that before and I value it. You are a firefighter EMT. Um, and if you don't usually get high, Correct. that means that even though physically and in talking to you, I've, I trust you. I feel, and oh I my God, this that. is this is a guy I want. I'd, I'd want you there when I'm in trouble. Thank you. And I, yes, yes. Thank, I, I, feel, I feel that. Um, but I think what you're saying is I don't want to elevate my yellow up to somebody else's yellow, but maybe my highest yellow. I see I would have this be a subjective scale mm-hmm. for you to get up to eight on yellow. That might be where you were comfortably um, in, a, in a state of happiness without having it get out of hand. Yeah, uh, I, and I I, w- uh, I think it's important to point out that I, I am happy, I'm happy right now, like I'm smiling and, and I don't know when I guess maybe my, and I realize all the colors are scaled, right? Like yes. it, it's a gradient of color. But it's, but it's subjective, it's right. to your own life experience. Exactly, and so I enjoy pleasure and happiness and, and I think what I've, I've heard from people in my life 
um, is they don't always see it. Um, one you, thing from your board of directors, from my board of directors, or my wife, maybe, or <laughs> other people in, in my life that are you know important. Their their opinion matters to me. Um, but one thing I learned uh, when I was interning uh, in in grad school, uh, you know, I was working full time still. So you know, I'm working. I tried to calculate it the other day, like you know. A 56-hour work week at the fire department, a 40-hour work week at the counseling center, plus class and, and you know schoolwork beyond that, and um, you know I, I specialized in equine therapy in ah. in grad school. Um, interesting, you know, to be sitting here doing this stuff, but I work predominantly with veterans. It was a research study. Um, it's still going on. Um, and one thing I learned in that was like being around horses, like you have to life up or life down depending on, well, sometimes you don't have a choice depending on how you feel, but to get the horse to do something or not do something. Um, so really there I was, I, as a intern there, like I learned that and, and could get a response from the horse, you know, essentially, um, based based on that like and there were days I was tired and I didn't really want to be there and and I had to dig deep and and bring that up and and know that I you know and for the people that were attending the 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 treatment you know be there and be present and be energetic if that's what they needed or be calm if that's what they needed um so that was beautiful. Well, yes, and I'm I'm thinking there's a, a woman that I work with who I might want to introduce to you. Sure. She, she, she gets her pleasure. Uh, it, it's not called equine therapy, but it amounts to that, and mm -hmm. it is with a horse, and there's a lot of mastery and freedom that, that she gets there. Um, what about the other colors for you? Were, were there any that you... I, I mean, like I said, when we spoke the other day and again here today, like as you go through them... I have I feel physiological changes. Like, can, can you can you explain any of them related to a color? Because yeah, so pro well uh, the purple stuff. Uh, as you were saying that, like I'm looking out at this beautiful expanse that we have in front of us right now, which I wish people everybody could see on uh, the other side of this. We'll, we'll take a picture. And put yeah, it on the I did take a picture, so maybe we'll post it up. But can you can you can you? You said you you had some sensations yeah um you know red for instance like immediately i go to thinking about like relation you know, relationships like my wife and and i and i feel you know this uh even just sitting here with you guys like i feel this this connection and this sense of love really like in, in a sense like maybe i'm looking for something else though can you put you does your heart beat in a different way oh, yeah. or do you have a vis some kind of visceral feeling yeah no no uh like when i think about yellow i can feel i could probably even look on my watch um and see that my heart rate increases i can feel it i even oh. uh almost it's weird get a little like sweaty <laughs> like i can feel my pores open up if you will that's interesting yeah, and um, but when you talk about maybe love or um, uh, what was the calm? I'm sorry, blue. Blue. Yeah. Um, I have an opposite effect, and and when you were talking about blue, like I remember sitting back 
uh, which I can't do because yeah. you won't hear me on the microphone. But, you know, I sunk back in my chair and I felt my heart rate decrease and my pores kind of closed back up a little bit. And, um, yeah, and we talk about sensations a lot in our office related to, you know, feelings and events in your life. And so. So I'm wondering if the color wheel can be used in your practice. Oh, oh yes. absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, no question. Yeah. I'm so excited. Even thinking about it, my heart was mm-hmm. racing. I thought to myself, I probably need to make it walk. <laughs> my heart's racing. I'm getting excited. Although I haven't interrupted as much as usual, if you noticed. No, you've been amazing today, I, I will say. <laughs> I started off interrupting, but yeah. not so much now. I'm all in. Well, I don't know about the best order of doing these. And you are, are going to have, you have a large practice. And we're going you, to research it. Do you, yeah. do you think we can do that? A hundred percent. I'm, yes. I, and that's one thing I'm going to talk about and make some phone calls and, okay. and think about on the way on the drive back home today and, and want to talk to you again soon. But I, I think we could come up with some things. Um, kind of to a plan of action. Right, a plan yeah. of action, because I absolutely believe yeah. that this can be researched fairly simply in the sense of, I mean, there's no research that's simple, I guess, but it, but by keeping data and using these yeah. tools and showing people come in here and they leave here and they stay at this level. And we're already set up kind of, or start, we've, we've started that being a data-driven mm-hmm. practice. I mean, we're in the beginning of that. I mean, some of us do it more than others, but um, we actually have a meeting in, in November that's mandatory that uh, to implement data-driven or evidence-based practice um, standards as of, yeah. as, of, as of January. That's what the plan is. And we have 17, we have quite a few counselors right now and other therapy centers want to do the same thing. So I just I just think these are things that not just therapists can do, but like you said, peer support, clergy. I mean, there's so many people that we have access to or that want this. Now, I have a network, uh, I- informal. These, these are people that I have a lot of respect for. It's, it's mutual, and we've been working on a lot of different projects together through several decades. They don't all interact and overlap quite the same way. But do you think we can figure out how to best merge our I networks? Think, I think there's no option not to if we want to do the right thing. And yeah, we all, and I would, I would agree with that, yeah. We all want to do the right thing for people. And right. I think the one thing, you know, earlier we were talking about, you know, the division in politics and health care and, and, and opinions and all the different divisions there are. I, I believe from the depths of my spirit that we all want people to, to have mental health and mental wellness. Now, I think sometimes falsely we think if they were mentally well, they wouldn't be doing something that, they're, that we don't like them to do. And may, that may or may not be true. But I think if we were all more mentally well, we would maybe not do things to trigger people and we would not be triggered so easily. And so I just think we all agree. One thing that humans can agree on is humans, most of us, I feel like want good things for most humans. 
or generally for our society as a whole, as a general whole. And this is just the right thing to do. We need, people need to have, to be able to manage their emotional states effectively. Right? Yeah, no, I agree. And and I think too, like, be somewhat hip, hip, hypocritical if we don't inc- like get this out to everybody we can get it out to right like if we don't include build all those br- we're talking about building bridges, bridges. Like, that's my and, favorite and, thing right? right bridges yeah and the thing about bridges like you can go somewhere like when we talk about bridges and certain modalities right, right. like i have a very particular bridge that i go to um it's a real bridge i've been there um and but i don't know who built that bridge i can admire that it's beautiful i don't know who built it right I don't have to know to know that it's beautiful. And I think that's what we're talking about here. Like, you know, like, like there are people out there who want to know that want you to know that they built that bridge. But I think at least I I don't want to speak for all of us, but I think we're, we can agree on a place that we're in a place where we just want the bridge to be used. Like, I don't, I don't care if anyone knows that. Doesn't it doesn't have to be named after us. Yeah. Yeah. Like put a brick there or, or, or anybody else. And so, Let's build bridges and, and make people better. So why don't we stop there? Is that a good I place? think it's beautiful. I, I mean, I'm just going to say, for everyone that did listen today, thank you for listening. Because I was riveted. I love this. I think this is my new favorite podcast right now. <laughs> um, my the episode. Like we ask, we don't ask much, but what we would say is share this with someone. You... Someone needs to hear this. Someone you know needs to hear this today. And this may be the thing that builds a bridge for them. So share this and watch for more to come. Thank you so much for listening to Life After PTSD.